You're listening to the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network. Friends Talking Nerdy. Welcome to Their Voices Podcast. I'm Colleen and I'm joined by my co-host. PJ, hello. And we also have a special guest today, my brother, Tim. Hey everybody, thank you for having me on. I am the host and creator of Friends Talking Nerdy as well, the podcast that has been on the air for over five years now. And I'm sure in the show description, you will have a link to be able to check out that show. Each Saturday, we have something for your ear holes to entertain you. See, PJ, you and I need to like record more often so that we can like throw out those feels and things like that. So, <laughs> uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> All right. So, the reason why we have Tim here today is because our topic is one place studies. Tim and I lived in the neighborhood that I'm doing a, a one place study on. But for those who don't know what a one place study is, PJ, could you let the listeners know what a one-place study is? And maybe Tim as well. I don't know. So a one-place study is basically a local history of a specific place. Typically, they are either of a village or a neighborhood, but some of them are a street or even just a group of people that all lived in the same area. And the study that I'm doing is on Roosevelt Park, which is a neighborhood in Grand Rapids, Michigan. PJ, aren't you doing one as well? Yeah, I'm doing one on Peppertown, which is a neighborhood in St. Petersburg, Florida, where I'm from. And interestingly, earlier today, we were working on your project and figured out some things. Do you want to share just a little bit about your one place study? So yeah, right now my main research topic is Stewart's Chapel, which is a small African-American, um, it was a CME church, which is a colored Methodist Episcopalian church, which is really, those types of churches are only found in the South and they were African-American. And the church kind of has a rocky history. It seems like it was founded in 1913. And then it kept like changing priests and bishops. And it gets really confusing really quickly. So it's quite fun to research. And I think I'd mentioned in our our, um, DMs together about it that there could have been more of an issue with the denominational leaders and not necessarily the, the reverends themselves. So I guess it'll somehow maybe we could find out why there was a revolving door <laughs> at Stewart Chapel. It's very strange. Yeah, it is very strange. Yep. Was there anything else you wanted to add about the project or is that? That's it. So Roosevelt Park is in southwest Grand Rapids and it has a pretty long history for a neighborhood that the majority of it wasn't in the original city limits of, of Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids itself was founded in, oh God, I, I can't remember when it was founded, but let's just say Roosevelt Park itself, a little piece of it was part of the original city and within subsequent years, um, it expanded with different additions added and all of that. The neighborhood itself was named after Teddy Roosevelt. With my one place study, I am focusing 
mainly on the records that I can find online because I live like thousands of miles away from (laughs) Michigan now. I'm hoping one day to find people in the local area to help with doing local research because I don't want this to just be me doing it because I I want more voices to be heard. It kind of goes with the name of our podcast. (laughs) Um, but, But also because of how diverse the neighborhood is, especially now, like my brother and I, we lived in the south, more southern part of the neighborhood. And even when we were growing up, it was predominantly white. And there, I'm, I think there were still a lot of Dutch people um, in the neighborhood. And as we were leaving, more um, different ethnicities were moving in as we were leaving. But the history of the different ethnic groups, like the northern part of the, the neighborhood, was predominantly black and uh, Hispanic all like back to like the fifties or, or earlier. And I don't think most people know that about Roosevelt park of the long history of, of especially Hispanics. Cause I know that there's been some people who were not happy when the main road that goes through the neighborhood Granville Avenue was renamed Cesar Chavez Avenue, but it has a, a strong connection because a lot of the Hispanics that moved into the neighborhood were of Mexican descent and Cesar Chavez was Mexican. So it, it fits perfectly and it has a really long history, at least within, you know, the neighborhood history itself. Yeah. I know about maybe like a quarter mile away from hall school in the opposite direction from where we lived. I mean, there was always that mural that was on the side of that convenience store that um, like we always drove by on the bus, but I, you know, I know I'd never like stepped out and actually went into the place, but it was a Cesar Chavez mural uh, that was painted there. That was there for years and it's probably still there. And I think the artist who drew that was one of my art teachers in high school. That's right. Yeah. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I plan okay. on doing, I know I suck at this, um, but uh, I plan on doing something about art in the neighborhood because there's now there's an, an art studio for the community to come in and That's do art cool. classes. And I think he, that teacher, he had a connection to the neighborhoods, a really long one too, at least from the seventies. So I'm going to read a little piece from the blog about the project. The Roosevelt Park neighborhood is in southwest Grand Rapids, Michigan. The area has had people living in it for much longer than Grand Rapids has even existed. This project will include some pre-European history that can be found as well as up to today. Some of the goals of the project are indexing all U.S. census records from the neighborhood. This would be from the 1860 census for the part of the neighborhood from Wealthy to Hall and the 1900 census onward in the other areas, so south of Hall, including south of Hall. Uh, Next, looking at the history of the businesses that were and still are there. Any notable people who have lived in the neighborhood, indexing sources about locations, businesses, peoples, etc. in the neighborhood, recording personal histories from any past residents, and etc. So I think... What I'm going to do now, we're going to go on and talk about how we, as in Tim and I, are connected to the neighborhood. I have a vague memory of being in the neighborhood with Grandma Jowsma, 
and her saying something about living on Crofton. But it's like one of those vague memories of like sort of like when I um, remembered interrupting being interrupted when we were playing a game once when we're we were kids. That was like my first memory. So it's really vague. But grandma, my grandma Jausma actually lived in the neighborhood when she was a kid into her teen years and graduating high school. And she lived on Crofton, which is actually a street that my brother and I lived on. And she attended Davis Technical High School downtown, which would become Grand Rapids Community College. And one thing about where she lived on Crofton was that was where our great grandpa Robinson died. So the story was that Grandpa Jasma came over to take grandma out on a date. And I don't know if they had become engaged yet or not. But great-grandpa Robinson shook his hand and told Grandpa Jausma, welcome to the family. You know, it was like shaking his hand and saying nice things. And while they were out on the date, great-grandpa Robinson died. So we've had a long, pretty long history and a long connection to that neighborhood. But we actually lived in a place, uh, a different place in the neighborhood before Crofton. Oh, I forgot about that. It was Van Relty, right? Yeah, there it's and I according to your notes we're going to get into that a bit, but it was across the street from uh, my mom's first job in that neighborhood and yeah, it was that that house that again our first introduction to the neighborhood to uh the new Roosevelt bar, the 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 store across the street um of, and of course the Potter's house. Uh we that's an interesting story there and how we discovered that. I mean, you might as well t- tell it now like you remember it more than i do we'll start with the the potter's house deal we were living in that house on van Ralty, uh which the, the house is there then you have an alley then you have a then you had like i, I re- seem to recall that there was like a house in the on the new roosevelt bar parking lot too or something like that mm-hmm. but um but yeah one day you know you and i were playing and we knew that there was a park just down the alley uh, by the school there. And, you know, like I, on Von Ralty, I was in kindergarten. So you were much younger. You weren't even in school yet. And I was like, let's go over to the park. And you were like, yeah, let's do it. And we didn't bother telling anybody else. So we go over there and there are a bunch of kids already playing. And I guess there was like a church group thing going on. And so we just joined that group and started playing. And then out of nowhere, Ma shows up with a friend screaming and yelling, yells at the adults, but actually took the time to calm down and listen at the end because it was that introduction that made her aware of the Potter's house that, you know, a couple years down the line, she was actually able to get some money for to let us go to school there instead of the public schools. Yeah. The Potter's house actually has a really long history in the neighborhood in a way. Uh, I know it started in the late seventies, but they started in, the school called the Southwest Christian, whatever, I can't remember the name that was on the school, but that was actually, the Potter's House is actually the third Christian school in that spot, like around that spot, because the Christian Reformed Church there used to have a school. Then they created another school. Actually, that's actually the fourth because there was the Southwest Christian and then yeah, there was like four all right in that area at different times, obviously. But that the Christian Reformed Church there has had a really big impact on that neighborhood. And 
even to this day, even though they're not, it's not actually a Christian Reformed Church anymore, because the Potter's House actually owns the church building now, and they 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 actually rent the church out to an Adventist church on Saturdays. By the way, random share because my brother and I used to be Adventists. But anyways, you're gonna say something, PJ? The Reformed Church is the Dutch church, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, the Grand Rapids is a, a, a major, was a major um, immigration point for Dutch people even before the, like it was in the mid 1800s. A lot of people went to Holland, Michigan, but there's some people that actually went to Grand Rapids instead, Grand Rapids area, because <laughs> I actually have a teacher from high school who's ancestors are from the Netherlands and they're from the city, Amsterdam. And so they move and they went to Holland first and they're like, I don't like this rural, these rural people, this country folk. <laughs> so they, they left Holland, Michigan and went to Grand Rapids instead. But yeah, the Dutch have a really big community even today. Since you mentioned a moment ago about mom's job, I have a an entire post on the blog about 1447 Cesar e. Chavez and that would that place used to be a bar but before it was a bar well now it's a beauty salon before that it was a bar before that it was actually a tire shop and before that it was a pharmacy that was the long history of PJ Han PJ Han was was the one who paid for the building to be made. Uh, back when we were growing up, Tim, the front of the building was covered, and so we couldn't see the brick. But now you can see the brick, and you can see the nameplate, like a em- engraved stone that says PJ Han, nineteen thirteen, I think it is, on no, the top. I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, that was always there, but you know, when it was just the bar, I mean, it wasn't kept up at all. I mean, it's not a historical landmark. Uh, or anything like that and when when they were when it was a bar it was the type of bar that played both kinds of music country and western and you know it it wasn't a classy place i i need to correct you because no you couldn't always see that nameplate on the front of the of it because if you do google street maps of the building and you bring it all the way back to 2007 that's that's a long time ago Oh, yes. It was before your time, PJ. No. (laughs) Um, But it was covered. And the pharmacist, PJ Han, he and his family actually lived upstairs in that building. And their original building used to be across the street where that old bank was. The one that was never. Yeah, it wasn't a bank when we lived there. Uh, for a very brief time, it was a Michigan National Bank, but that chain went out of business and the building just sat there empty for the longest time. I believe when we were just leaving the neighborhood, I think that might've been something art related going on there. Okay. Uh, maybe they were opening a gallery or something like that. That's what I seem to recall. But yeah, yeah for like most of our time there, it was just an empty building. Yeah. It looks like that bank, sometime between 2011 and 2015, it um, it was torn down. Now, you know the market that we used to go to all the time? I don't know if it was in that specific location, but right along there, there's always been a market there. Yeah, I was 
probably the last generation of kids that was allowed to um, bring it, go to the store with a note from your parent asking them to sell you cigarettes to bring home to the parent. So, <laughs> Ma did that a couple of times. Classy. Anyway. I'm glad I never had to do that. <laughs> America in the 80s, folks. We did a lot of wacky stuff. One thing that I will add about this project that I briefly mentioned is I really want to find people to help expand this. And if there's anyone out there who hears this episode and is interested in, in helping just reach out to me, um, I'll have my email in the show notes and I'm especially looking for people who have a connection to the neighborhood that, or who live in Grand Rapids or nearby that can help because there's only so much I can find online. Well, I'm really good at finding stuff online. Like I'm, I'm really good, but there's only so much. Editor's note. This next section brings up a story about Indiana Jones and a refrigerator used in Indiana Jones 4. The refrigerator that Tim mentions was not a Calvinator refrigerator, but because his story brought up the Calvinator building and we had such a good discussion about how corporations and factories closing affects neighborhoods. I decided to keep in the story about the Indiana Jones movie because it was a good starter into the conversation. End editor's note. So Tim, is there anything else that comes to mind about the neighborhood? Oh, I remember. Doesn't the neighborhood have a very interesting connection to Hollywood? Uh, yes. Indiana Jones 4 had a scene at the start of the movie where Indy is uh, dropped off in an area to where he he's trying to escape because there's a bomb about to go off, a nuclear bomb, and he realizes he's out in the middle of nowhere. And at the very last minute, he sees a particular refrigerator, and it's a Kelvinator refrigerator. He empties it out, gets inside, then the nuclear bomb goes off, and the fridge goes flying, saving Indiana Jones' life. Kelvinator had a big factory in Grand Rapids, Michigan that was, I mean, literally just a couple blocks away from our house. But um, it was, if anything, the earliest uh, earliest sign that, you know, life, uh, you know, for, for me at least, that, you know, life was a lot different in America, uh, you know, you know, back before I was around. And that it's, it's weird that 10, 20, 30,000 jobs can just go away at the snap of a finger just because a corporation uh, figures they can take those jobs to another country and pay the people far less, you know, which is the only reason they do it. They do it to save money and, and, with no concern about how it can devastate a town. Because as I was uh, saying to Colleen beforehand, like, I believe, I, I believe that I was still, you know, as a kid that I, that I still recall it, the place still having some functionality in terms of uh, still putting out some stuff, but you know, I could be wrong, but if I am wrong, then the place just had just shut down within the past couple of years. Cause you know, seventies and eighties uh, were notorious for that all over the country. And Michigan has a history of 
being industrial. You think of Detroit with, you know, the Henry Ford building cars and all that. On um, In Grand Rapids, you had uh, American seating. The seats that are in Yankee Stadium are made by a Grand Rapids company. But again, when you have companies looking to just send that work overseas so they don't have to worry about a huge labor budget, that's going to leave a scar. And I think it did leave quite the scar on that town. Yeah, the neighborhood definitely, it had a different feel to it when we were growing up than it had like a decade before we moved there. I think there was a lot of people who were living in that neighborhood because it was, the rent was low and they probably didn't work in the neighborhood and had to go somewhere else. I I could be wrong, but, but Southwest Michigan or Michigan, Southwest Grand Rapids was a factory neighborhood to begin with because a lot of the furniture companies in Grand Rapids had their factories just west of the neighborhood down on Godfrey and which was technically those factories were technically in the Black Hills neighborhood but you know so close they might as well be the same the same neighborhood I've been interested in what the Roosevelt Park Neighborhood Association has been up to uh, they've been around for a little while, even before we moved from the neighborhood. I know they started, they got a library branch, a small library branch, the year that we gra- I graduated high school in 96. They've done major improvements in the neighborhood. And I really like that an organization like that has been around and has been doing good in the neighborhood like it has. If anything, I would say this. I know like when we left the neighborhood, like around my last year of high school, that was around the time where the Hispanic uh, community was expanding. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like Roosevelt Market, for instance, uh, became a Mexican uh, food market for, for the most part. Um, and I, I think, if anything, that new influx of people um, was a positive impact on on that particular neighborhood. Because, totally. like, yeah, I mean, during like during our childhood, yeah, it's it's like you had the Calvinator building, which was a huge building. I mean, you can attest to that because it was that along that Clyde Park route, like the entirety of Clyde Park up until uh, that gas station. Um, I forgot the specific names. It's been years, but in, in a way, when you have something that's dead like that, you know, it's kind of like when you see like dead limbs on a tree over time, you know, one dead limb can turn into three, can turn into five. And then before you know it, the tree itself is dead. And, you know, I think that's the bad part about factories, too, is that if they do have to, you know, get excised for whatever reason, I mean, that uh, it, it can take years and years and years for for a particular neighborhood to recover. Now, Grand Rapids is big enough. Grand Rapids is not like uh, big rapids <laughs> up north where literally right. the one you know you know the main street and everybody hangs out at the hardware store so uh, but it took a while it took a while yeah i mean the neighborhood back in the day used to kind of be like big rapids in a way because the the uh shopping district which is kind of where we lived most like that whole time um, there used to be the pharmacies, the two pharmacies there, and people would hang out at not BJ Hans, but the other one because the other one had a better magazine, <laughs> magazine varieties there. But I think that today there's places like that now because I don't remember besides the bar, there wasn't anything else. And I think since Rose- the new Roosevelt Bar 
closed down, I think the neighborhood has improved. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know if you intentionally forgot to mention this, but we were the advertising for that place for years. Because our mother got us, like, took us to like Kmart one time and, 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 you know, did some pictures like she does. And she had me and my sister have a picture with the new Roosevelt, Roosevelt bar hats on. And that picture was hung up on the front wall by the, by the cash register of that place for years. I mean, it was still there when I was in high school. So we were advertising. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that place finally got closed down because there was, like, several shootings outside of it or something like that. Yeah. Just, well, to be uh, fair, I mean, the well, ownership had changed by that particular time, so it wasn't like... Uh, yeah, Roger died, I think. Had died. All right. So, I think that's pretty good. Is there anything else you can think of, Tim? Off the top of my head, no. I mean, okay. to, to your point, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a cultural center. It was a place where people lived. Um, if you wanted to go like to the movies, you would go to Studio 28. That's in Wyoming. You want to go to the mall, you're going to Woodland Mall over, you know, on the north side of town or wherever. You know, there wasn't really a hub that people could go to uh, in that neighborhood to be entertained, I mean, uh, yeah, unless you wanted to drink. <laughs> and that's not a way to encourage a lively, alive neighborhood. I mean, it's like people lived there because they had to. And, you know, it's nice to see that, you know, the neighborhood has more options for for growth, for keeping people in that neighborhood. Because I think Grand Rapids did have a very bad habit of being too much of a car-centric culture, not having, you know, good public transportation. So if you did have to go out, you had to leave your neighborhood. There wasn't anything you could just walk to, you know. I think the Hispanic community in that area has really made it their home and that makes me really happy like even the schools in the neighborhood um there's the new caesar caesar chavez elementary school which is replaced hall school and there's also in the northern part of the the neighborhood there's two schools that are bilingual and to me that that just shows that they're like whoever's in charge is looking at who is there and putting things there that takes care of their needs. Yeah. Because you want people to not just feel like their own personal living space is their home. They want you to feel like your neighborhood is your home too. And if you feel like your neighborhood is, is your home, you're more likely to stay there longer, pay taxes longer, spend money there longer. And, uh, you know, I think that is vital for any town anywhere of any size to think of, you know, I mean, financially, yeah, I mean, is a small rural town going to be able to ha have like a Broadway theater? No, they're not. But you can do other things as well to encourage people to think of their their neighborhood as their home. This neighborhood has been home to people for long before Grand Rapids became a thing. <laughs> and it's going to continue to be the home of people for many years to come. 
And I'm glad that people are taking the initiative and, and improving things the way that they are there. I love it. So thank you very much, Tim, for being on this episode. Uh, if those who are listening like to hear nerdy conversations about topics from music to mental health to you name it, Friends Talking Nerdy is the podcast for you. Each Saturday, yes. Uh, Friends Talking Nerdy, you can find us on all major podcasting platforms out there. Um, nerdiness is just passion. You're passionate about something. Like, you guys are passionate about genealogy and whatnot. So when you talk about it, you're going to be passionate about it. And that's, I think, what we bring to the table. Um, like, the past episode uh, that we just released this past Saturday, um, Professor Aubrey talked about the 10 principles of Burning Man. And it was interesting talking about that particular culture. I've never attended Burning Man or any of the regional type of Burning Man uh, type of deals. So it was fun to explore that. But, you know, to your point, the previous week, uh, we also uh, honored Tina Turner um, by talking about some of her music that, uh, that, you know, affected us over the years. So we do try to keep the topics quite varied um, because that's what life is. You know, it's varied. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. And remember, everyone, to like, subscribe, share, whatever you need to do to get the word out about us. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.